Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. following sermon was preached on Christmas Eve 2020 in Brandon, South Dakota, on the basis of Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 2020, a year of so many expectations. It was an Olympic year. It was an election year. We launched this church this year. You had a lot of plans for how this year was going to go. It was a year for some to graduate, others to get married. And then COVID came. So many things were canceled, and the things that weren't canceled didn't happen as we expected or wanted them to happen. By this point, you are all weary and sick of hearing about it, I'm sure. But a year of such great prospective things has turned into a year of such great disappointment. And with just a few days left in 2020, it's hard not to look back and think, that's it. Now, disappointment isn't always something that happens on a, a big, dramatic, global scale as it has this year. Uh, maybe, and very likely, maybe some disappointment will take place in your living room tonight or tomorrow as your kids have thought about the gifts that they want for Christmas for a long time. Maybe it's been weeks and months since they thought about what they want for, for Christmas. And maybe some of them have even seen that shiny wrapped present underneath the tree and wondered, what's inside that thing? And when they get to open it, finally, maybe what's inside that gift did not quite match their expectation. And, and depending on how old your kid is and depending on uh, their personality maybe a little bit, maybe they'd be too ashamed to say it out loud. But internally, they may think, that's it? That's all I get? There's a lot of anticipation that led up to the, the very first Christmas. After, after all, there had been thousands of years of prophetic marketing. God's people were so excited to unwrap the present that God was giving to them. This gift was long foretold. He was going to be the head crusher in Genesis 3. He was going to be the restorer of Isaiah 11. He was going to be the ends of the earth greatness of Micah chapter 5. God's people were so excited to unwrap this Christmas gift. There has never been a more hyped person in the history of the world than Jesus. But if someone had the ability to, to peek into that stable on Christmas and see that, that tiny little baby and two poor parents... Perhaps they may have thought, that's it? That's the, the gift? Sadly, we too may, may feel the same way about God's great Christmas gift at times because he doesn't do what we want him to do. Or he doesn't give us what we think we, we deserve. 
We want to get into that college. We want to get that job. We want to get that raise. We want to get that recognition, fill in the blank, whatever that might be for you. We want a Savior that's different than that. And so when we see that tiny baby in the manger, we may be a little disappointed as well. It's not, not quite what we expected or wanted. Christmas is a time for these expectations. Kids go about expecting things that they want for gifts. We go about expecting things about how Christmas is going to go. And it doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. And this year has been a, a stark example of that. But tonight, as we look into through the manger, we're going to dispel some of that disappointment. We're going to dispel some of those expectations that we bring in from our sinful nature, and we're going to look again into the manger. Except this time, we're going to look into the manger through an unlikely lens, an unlikely Christmas passage. We're going to look into the manger through the lens of Romans chapter 8, verse 32, which says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? That's Paul talking there. What makes a great gift? Or maybe a better way to illustrate that is after you're done opening your gifts and you sit back and you're looking at the things that you've been given, what do you see? Do you see just the gifts or... Maybe there's been a few gifts in your life where you can see what's behind the gift, right? You can see the thought that somebody put in to the gift. You can see the love behind the gift. I think a lot of people may argue that, that the greatest gifts are, are not necessarily the gifts themselves, but the gifts that mean the most are what's behind that gift. So maybe, maybe you get a gift and you can tell right away that somebody put a lot of thought into that. They really know you and they know what you're going through at this time. And, and so they knew that you needed this. Uh, maybe it was a handmade gift that you got. Where someone spent a lot of time and effort making this gift. And that, that means a lot to you because they, they put that time and effort into that gift. Maybe it was kind of an expensive gift. But they didn't count the cost. You were worth it to them. It didn't matter what the price tag was on that. They wanted to get you that gift. A lot of times, it's what's behind the gift that makes the gift so special. So let's look into the manger again. Let's peek into the stable, look into that manger, because it was more than just a tiny little baby. This was God's son. That's who he gave to you on Christmas. He gave you his son, which was a great and magnificent gift. But even greater still, look what was behind that gift. Look at the reason why God gave you his son. He gave you his son because he so deeply loves you. He gave you his son because he so passionately wants to be with you forever, in this life and 
the life to come. He gave you his son because he wants you to be forgiven and he wants you to be saved. The son was great. We're not diminishing Jesus at all by saying this. But the reason for him sending his son was even greater because it was the work that he came to do to save you, to forgive you, to love you, and so that he could be with you forever. And he didn't just only give you his son. He gave up his son. That's what it says, right? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. That's your God. That's your God who gives his own son up for you. Now, I want you to, to picture one of two scenarios for me real quick, okay? So here's the first scenario. I want you to think about your parents, okay? Some of you have parents here. Some of you have parents who live other places. Some of you have parents who have gone to heaven and are worshiping there with Jesus right now. So think about your parents. Think about your childhood with your parents. That's one scenario. The other scenario that you could think about is think about your children. Think about the relationship that you have with your children. No matter which one you are thinking about, there is a unique relationship that exists between a parent and a child and a child and a parent. You go through a lot of different stages of life together. There's, there's a big difference between a one-year-old and a 15-year-old and a 30-year-old, right? And you, as, as a parent perhaps, your, or your parents went through a lot when they were maybe 30 when you were young, and then they were 40, and then they were 50. They go through different stages of life. And through all of those stages of life, you have many different interactions with, with your parents or with your children. Sometimes you interact as friends. Sometimes you interact as the caregiver. Sometimes you interact as the, as the disciplinarian. And you could list a lot of different ways that, that you interact between a, a child and a parent and a, and a parent and a child. And through all these stages of life and over the course of time, you interact in a lot of ways and that creates such a unique relationship. Sometimes it creates a close relationship. Not, not always the case, but, but sometimes it does. Now think about the relationship the father had with the son. The son was God's son from all eternity. He, he wasn't born. He wasn't created. He was with God in the beginning and he had always been there. And he had shared a lot of experiences with God the Father. He helped God the Father create the world. In, in John chapter 1, it says that nothing that was created, nothing that has been created, wasn't created by him. He was there in the beginning. He helped with the creation of the world. He was there when the flood came. He, he was there when Abraham was alive and they promised that Abraham would be a great nation. And when he became a, a great and, and a large nation in Egypt, Jesus was, was with the Father as they led them out of slavery in Egypt. The, the subject of praise in the Psalms that David wrote are, are directed to the Father and to the Son the worshipers in Solomon's temple worshipped the Father and the Son. They had shared a lot of experiences together. They are incredibly close. Closer than any relationship that you have ever had in your life. The Father and the Son are close, and yet the Father 
was willing to give up his only son for you, was to give you his son in that manger. Before uh, my wife Christina and I moved out here, uh, we went, I, I went to a, a school called Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary in Mequon, Wisconsin. That's where I trained to be a, a pastor. And it's, it's kind of a historic place. It's pretty cool. Um, it, it dates back to, to 1863 is when the seminary started. And the building that I went to school in had been there since 1929. So there's a lot of history at that school. Um, there's also a lot of cool traditions that, that happen at the seminary. And one of the traditions that, that has been told to me, it didn't quite make it to my time at the seminary, but it's been passed down and we still hear stories about it today, was around Christmas time. Uh, they would gather together for, for fellowship and, and the professors, who were also pastors, um, they shared their most memorable Christmases. Um, as a pastor, you get to do a lot of different Christmases. And so they, a lot of them shared their first Christmas or, or their most crazy Christmas where something crazy happened or their most meaningful one. And it was a way to encourage people who were studying for ministry and looking forward to that. And it was a way to encourage professors who were looking back on some of their great ministry experiences. Well, one of the ones that has been passed on quite a bit uh, is one by a man now in heaven, uh, Professor Sigbert Becker. And Sigbert Becker, his first uh, Christmas as a pastor was also his first Christmas as a father. He, he had a newborn. And so Christmas morning before church, he had gone in to wake his newborn up, but his newborn had passed away, it had died. And, and as he relayed this story, as he relayed this story to, to a group of guys there, he said, it was at that moment that I realized how much God the Father loved us. Because he was willing, willing to give up his only son for you and for me. That's your God. That's your God who loves you, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Okay, that was 2,000 years ago when, when God gave Jesus to us in the manger. When God sent Jesus to, to the cross to die for our sins. So what does that mean for me now, 2,000 years later? What does Christmas mean for me when, when I'm disappointed or when I'm suffering? Well, perhaps to answer that question, we've got to go back just a little bit. Our Old Testament lesson was from Isaiah. And we hear a lot about Isaiah, right? You've probably heard a lot of different readings from Isaiah. You've maybe heard some sermons on Isaiah. It has a lot of great prophecies. But a lot of times we maybe don't think about what was going on at that time in history when Isaiah was prophesying. Isaiah was witnessing the slow demise of the Israelites. He has a lot of bright prophecies that look ahead to the Savior. But if you would have lived at the time of Isaiah, there would have been little reason to, to think and to have confidence that God had favor on you at all. Because the, the Israelites had become morally corrupt and they would soon fall to the Assyrians and to the, the Babylonians. If there was any time in history where God was going to throw up his hands and say, I'm done, <laughs> I'm done with these people. They are so corrupt. They, are so, they have gone the wayward path. I'm not going to send my son 
to them. I'm not going to send, send the son that I love so much that I have this close, tight relationship with. I'm not going to send him to them where he'll be mocked and ridiculed and beaten and killed. He could have. He could have thrown up his hands and he could have said that. But God didn't. Because he loved you so much, his love would not let him keep Jesus back. But he sent Jesus to fulfill the prophecies, to fulfill his promises to you. And if he fulfilled that promise, he'll fulfill every promise. He fulfilled the biggest promise in sending Jesus to be in that manger and to go to that cross. And if he has fulfilled that promise, you can trust that he will fulfill all of his promises. That's what we learned from Christmas. That because of Christmas, we can trust that when he says in Psalm 90 that he's going to send his angels with you to guard you, you can trust that that's happening. <laughs> because of Christmas, you can trust that when he says in Joshua 1 that he will be with you wherever you go, you can trust that that's going to happen. That is happening. When he says in Romans 8 that he's working everything out for your spiritual good and that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, you can trust that because of Christmas, because he fulfilled his greatest promise, he's going to fulfill that one too. It's at Christmas that we know and recognize and can be assured that this is not just lip service. But God's word will be fulfilled and has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled in your life. This Christmas is maybe going to look a lot different than a lot of Christmases for you based on everything that's going on in, in the world around us. But one thing is going to be true every Christmas, no matter what. We're going to get a chance to, to look into the manger, to look at, at the Christmas story. And yeah, humanly speaking, as we look into the manger, that baby looks small and fragile and dirty and perhaps disappointing, humanly speaking. But I pray that this Christmas, after all the things we've talked about here, that you won't look into the manger and say, that's it. But you'll look into the manger and say, that's it. That's my Savior. That's how much God loves me. That's God fulfilling his promises. That's a pretty awesome gift. I'd say the greatest gift. Amen.